This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. By then, she had come to terms that she was sharing space with some sort of, what she says, friendly spirit. These little things didn't bother her too much because besides that, I mean, not much else happened. That was until one of the strangest and most powerful events happened in my young childhood. My uncle once again is standing in the way, so I sidestep him. Then it hits me. My uncle isn't home. Then who the heck is this? From Killer Podcasts, true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, this is Disturbed. Hello, and welcome back to the show. This week, we're bringing you three real stories that will have you shaking in your boots. So sit back, listen closely, and dive into the horror. First, the talented Gregory James tells us a story by Reddit user Tori Prescott, where we encounter the shadowy figure. So, I'm not one that believes in the paranormal, but I do keep an open mind to things that can't be explained. The current house I've been living in for the last 21 years used to have signs of a paranormal presence that at least one of my family members encountered at least once, with me having the pleasure to encounter it one night too. So, backtracking to the first encounters, the residents of the house were my father, my mother, my grandma, uncle, and my two younger siblings and I. My younger sibling was around five and stayed in my grandma's room. My uncle also stayed in that room. He used to hunt for sports, so his guns and ammo were always under his bed. I shared a room with my sister, but slept on the floor, and she slept in the bed since she was the girl. Lastly, my parents' bedroom. It was always a talk during breakfast that supposedly my uncle has seen a shadowy presence in the house, and I would always dismiss it as him trying to scare us since we were young and my grandma was superstitious. I would listen to the stories and get a chill, but would always just dismiss them. One day, my grandma joined us at the table for breakfast. Everyone was already eating, and my grandma scolds my younger brother. Something along the lines of why he never came out of the restroom last night after she walked him to it. He seemed so confused. So, according to her, he had woken her up in the middle of the night and asked her to walk him to the bathroom since he was scared. Half asleep, she got up and walked him and waited for him outside the door. But he was taken forever, so she just walked back and went to sleep. My brother was confused because he said he never got up, and my mother backed him up, saying that he had slept in her bed last night and never got up. There was a silence, and then everyone broke out in laughter, teasing my grandma that the ghost had gotten her to walk to the restroom. My grandma got flustered and red in the face in embarrassment, saying it wasn't funny. I laughed, but at the same time thought she would have dreamt it, ever skeptical. The second encounter was with my sister. One night while I was deep in sleep, I was woken up by her stepping over me so she could exit to the room to the bathroom. I quickly squinted my eyes and fell back asleep. Morning came, and as I was eating breakfast, she looked pissed. That wasn't funny. You must be so delighted thinking you were going to scare me. 
I was confused, and my mom asked her what had happened. According to her, she woke up to use the bathroom, which I do remember, but after she used it, she was walking back to the room and saw me standing outside it, waiting to lunge at her and scare her. She told me to stop, that it wasn't funny, and she looked away for a bit and didn't see me. She thought I quickly went back into the room to feign being asleep. I was so confused. I swore as much as I love scaring others for a good laugh, I didn't get up last night. I did confirm I did see her walk out there, but I never got up. She looked at me as if I was lying and everyone teased her saying it was the ghost. I asked her if she saw me. She said no, but it was like a shadow and she assumed it was me. Now I was feeling kind of scared, not so skeptical anymore. A few months had passed and we all agreed that as long as we don't bother the ghost, nothing would happen and maybe it would be friendly, like Casper or something. Now it was my turn. My uncle had left the house for the week to go hunting. I woke up in the middle of the night feeling thirsty, so I got up to go to the kitchen to get a glass of water. The way the furniture was arranged made the path from the living room to the kitchen a bit narrow so only one person could pass at a time. I bring this up because in front of me, like 10 feet away, there's a figure in my way. I just assume it's my uncle, who also has a habit of getting a glass of water in the middle of the night. So as usual, so we both can get by, I turn and sidestep him to get past him. He does likewise. I go to drink my glass of water and start making my way back to my room. My uncle once again is standing in the way, so I sidestep him. Then it hits me. My uncle isn't home. Then who the heck is this? I stop for a moment. My fear just imagines a scary face from a horror movie, a face I don't want to see. This is the shadowy figure? I run to my room as if in a chase sequence and jump in my bed under my covers, curled into a ball. My heart raced as if this was a threat that would actually stop it. I drift into sleep and wake up wishing it was a nightmare, but I knew it wasn't. I got up and went to my parents' room to tell them what I just experienced. They look at me to see if I'm joking for a moment, and I assure them I wasn't kidding, that I finally had an experience with this ghost or whatever it is. Years pass, and I tell this story to my friends. One of them believes in the paranormal, and he tells me about shadow people, that what I could have seen was a shadow person. I take some interest and do some research and conclude it might be, because for everyone's encounters, we never saw a face but just assumed it was one of our family members. I decide if that's what it is, what can we do but let it be? As the year goes, I make friends with someone who supposedly sees paranormal things and whatnot. I'm skeptical of his gift, but after experiences in my house, I believe such stuff exists. One day on July 4th, I invited him over since he was going to be alone and I felt bad. He takes the bus to my house and I invite him in. I seat him in the living room and ask if he wants some barbecue, so I go out and get him a plate from outside. As I come back, we go to my room so we can watch TV or play video games. As he sits down, he tells me, Hey, I don't mean to scare you, but there's an old man sitting on your living room couch. My heart skips a beat. I've never told him about my house or what we experienced there, so him seeing a single entity freaks me out. He doesn't mean harm. He just stays in this house. I told him to stop. I explained why it's freaking me out and the encounters we had. He nods and says, yeah, all those encounters must have been him. I don't know if he's messing with me, but I no longer want him in my house. 
I tell him sorry, but he needs to leave. I get up and he follows me. I'm sorry. I don't feel comfortable and you shouldn't have told me that. Are you scared? Kinda, but I think it's better if you left for now. I open the gate and he walks out. I feel kind of bad, but my fear is greater. He texts me, don't feel afraid or he'll know. Just be calm. I ignored him and decided to stay outside for the rest of the evening. I never talked to him again, not wanting to be part of that world. The encounters stopped since then, but I'm sure if I ever brought them up to my family, they would remember. If anything, this is the only paranormal experience I would ever have. Our next story features your everyday, frugal, extra planar roommate, narrated by Tara Ash. In about 2010, my little family moved to a small town in Victoria, British Columbia. We lived in an apartment, a small unit complex where mostly older people lived. It had suddenly become available for rent and I was urgently looking for a place to live. We had been in a domestic violence situation, so me, seven months pregnant, and my two children moved in rather quickly. My teenager lived in a room that had a window bordering a large garden which was shared with all the other units. Often her room would get quite messy, so I'd go and tidy it up. On occasion, I would also smell a distinct cigarette scent, or what I thought was cigarettes. It ended up being stronger, more like cigar smoke. I spoke to her about it, and to this day, she is now 25, she is adamant that she never smoked. She tried it once at 17 and hated it. It was such a frequent smell in her room that I actually got to the point where I was searching her room thinking that there were cigarettes in there. I stripped it. And there were never any cigarettes anywhere at all. We also had some occurrences that were just strange. At the time, it was just us girls, so leaving the toilet seat up never happened. Why would it? But the toilet seat would regularly be left up. And after asking everybody, which consisted of me, a diaper-wearing toddler, and my fastidious teenager, it seemed completely impossible that we had been leaving the toilet seat up so regularly. Like a few times, maybe after cleaning to let it dry, but every single day? We also regularly had our kettle, microwave, and television unplugged from the wall. We would be sitting there in the living room, hearing the kitchen door open, and then the click of the plugs one by one. Sometimes even the lights switched off. It seemed like somebody was taking care of our electricity bills and thought that we were leaving things on too much. But always accompanied by that continuous waft of cigar smoke. Once, we had a plumbing issue that was handled by someone who had serviced the apartments for years. I came out and asked him straight out, Was there ever anybody who lived here who smoked cigars that you know of? And he laughed and said, oh, that'll be George. When he said that, I immediately got chills down my spine. I asked him, what do you mean? And he said, well, George was a younger guy who moved to the area and worked as a mechanic for a long time. Eventually, he moved to these little apartments when his wife had passed away. 
He loved cigars and he smoked them all the time. He ended up getting a lung disease, which eventually he passed away from. He had a terrible cough, but he was also extremely stingy. He didn't like to use his heater in winter and often the house would be very, very cold. That had made so much sense to me. Often all of my surplus electricity appliances would be just unplugged at the wall and always that pervasive smell of cigarette smoke or cigar smoke wafting around. Being in the particular bedroom that my teenager was using was more chilling now too, given the fact that George had actually passed away in that room and was found there by his family. As well as being extremely sad, it was also a little bit spooky. We came to just affectionately refer to him as George, and when things got switched off, we would say thank you. When there was a really strong smell of cigar smoke, we would ask him to smoke outside. And we would also ask him to remember to put the toilet seat down. You're listening to Disturbed. We'll be right back. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome back to the podcast. Our final story comes to us from Specific Narwhal and was narrated by Paul Brown. Spirits have been drawn to us from our childhood. I want to share some experiences myself and my family have had, dating all the way back to the mid-1990s. My parents bought my childhood home in 1982 and still live there today. It's a small, three-bedroom home in a quiet subdivision, surrounded by wilderness. They raised four boys there, of which I'm the oldest. Depending on who you are, you'd either call my family superstitious or sensitive. By no means would I consider us clairvoyant or blessed with precognition or, or anything of that sort, but 
I have been aware of unexplainable presences or, or feelings. My mother explained to me that before she became pregnant with me, she never really noticed any strange or paranormal occurrences at home. After I was conceived, however, she started feeling a presence while at home. My father's job had him, uh, had him traveling fairly often, sometimes gone for, you know, like a week or so at a time. My mother said uh, she found herself feeling lonely and, and overthinking things all the time. Some nights while lying in bed, you know, moments before she fell asleep, she felt like someone was in the room with her, like just this, you know. It, it wasn't an ominous or, or negative energy. In fact, she said she felt quite the opposite. As her pregnancy continued, small objects started vanishing and showing back up. She bought a variety of toys, you know, some that wind up and, and some that activate with a button, and she placed them up on a shelf in a closet. And one time, without anyone being around, they, they ended up on the closet floor somehow, activated and playing. She says she saw a female figure move from one room to another in the upstairs halls. It, it didn't make sense to her at the time why the house had all this paranormal energy. It was, it was newly built. I mean, not even 20 years old when they moved in. The previous owner was a single parent, but she never knew any details about them or their children. So my mom's pregnancy had a few complications, and I, I was born nine weeks premature. And I spent the first six months of my life in the hospital, dealing with issue after issue, but I managed to pull through. And after I came home, more paranormal signs started coming up. One time, a pair of hats that my mother and great-grandmother wore to a wedding were somehow moved from the attic storage into my mom's closet. It spooked her momentarily, but by then she had come to terms that she was sharing space with some sort of, what she says, friendly spirit. These little things didn't bother her too much because besides that, I mean, not much else happened. That was until one of the strangest and most powerful events happened in my young childhood. Even though I was eight months old, I, I still couldn't roll myself over very well or, or sit up. Embarrassing? Sure, but what could I do? I, I was just a preemie baby. Anyways, my mom was home alone again with me, and she put me down for a nap and went to lay down in her bedroom across the hall. She was quite tired, so, you know, sleep took over pretty quickly. She says that she had this super vivid dream. She was in some sort of a, a white room filled with light. She was just sort of standing in place when she felt someone enter the space with her. It was a welcoming presence, one, one she had felt before. However, a more ominous feeling followed, like a great impending doom was coming. You know, that, that feeling when you just know something isn't right. And then she heard the voice of a girl. It said, the baby. It's the baby. The voice repeated itself until she jolted awake. She sensed something was wrong and she, she rushed across the hall, which luckily for me was seven feet or so away. Somehow, I had managed to get myself face down in the crib, my face completely covered in the mattress. I must have decided it was time to move myself around, but I, I was clearly unable to move my head to get my face off the mattress. To this day, she can recall the story and tell you with great detail 
how real the dream felt and how scary it all was. As I got older, around three or four, I'm told, I started chatting to an imaginary friend. I would spend a lot of time sitting up in my room, stationed on my floor with all sorts of toys around me, having full-on conversations with no one, apparently. Uh, when my parents asked me who I was talking to, I told them I was talking to a girl who was a bit older than me. Her name was Tara, and she was nice. The way my folks tell it, I maintained this imaginary friendship for years. I can remember by age eight or nine that I understood that our house had spirits in it. I, I was raised to believe that they were, you know, harmless, that they were just here with us. I wasn't just told it, I, I actually felt it too, you know? I, I didn't mind it. Honestly, it, it didn't scare me. I was just afraid of vampires and loud crashes, you know, like, like any other kid. As a teenager, I had this really vivid experience one Friday night. Across from my bed was a, a large dresser, which was pushed up beside a longer, shorter dresser. It was, you know, tall and sturdy, enough that a young person could hop up on it and sit down. I was doing my best to go to sleep, but I remember having a strange and vivid dream that kind of pulled me out of my sleep. I, I opened my eyes, and they were met with someone else's gaze. It was a young girl with dark hair, clothes that looked decades older than mine. She was just sitting there up on my dresser, looking down at me. I jumped out of my skin from the shock, but I, in hindsight, there was nothing scary looking about her. I believe it was Tara. I've seen her a few other times, too. When I come home to visit my parents, you know, sometimes I get that same intense feeling. It's, it's very hard to explain, but I know when one of those spirits are around and, you know, they're kind of welcoming me back. If I'm the first one to arrive at my parents' home and walk in, the whole feeling of my surroundings change. I know it's difficult to believe, but I've, I've come to learn it's the feeling I get when Tara must be around. When I'm spending time alone at the house, in particular in the downstairs or, or down in the basement, I'll see a dark female figure move across the back of the room. In the shape of a body reflecting off the glass paneling above my parents' bar, it'll move into the laundry room and just disappear. I've seen it in reflections of windows upstairs, standing in various spots around the home. It's as if they're just, you know, sharing space with me, just trying to say hi. Just recently, it came up during a conversation that my mother had two miscarriages before she gave birth to me. And turns out the second one was going to be a girl. That has to be Tara. All this time, my older sister looking out for me. I mean, at least that's what it seems like. I'm older now. You know, I just turned 30, but in all the apartments I've lived in, I've had paranormal experiences. Nothing horrifying thank goodness, but I always seem to have something happen. And I'm okay with it. Sometimes they are strange, but usually they're wholesome. And on occasion, they're even enlightening. Maybe we do share our lives with others who have passed on, who just want to make themselves known from time to time. Maybe it's to watch over us, you know? I mean, who can say for sure? It's all complex, but I've had ghosts follow me around all my life.
Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit KillerPodcasts.com. Follow our social channels at Disturbed Podcast on Instagram or Disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at DisturbedPodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time, stay safe out there. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.